So this morning, um, I really sensed um, in the Holy Spirit to, to draw some attention to the Holy Spirit himself. Because um, sometimes we can get caught up in the manifestations of the Spirit and forget the Spirit that manifests them. Are you guys with me? Okay. And I really believe that if we can grab a hold of some of these truths and what I'm going to share this morning, you will manifest the presence of God by accident more than you ever did on purpose. Okay? Now, understand this. Have you ever been present yet absent? Some of you are sitting here not listening to me. Okay. I'm telling you now, you can be present but still absent. Am I right? The, 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 the trick about spending time with the Holy Spirit is about being present, present. It's about being present, present. The less you are present, present with Him, the harder it is for you to become present, present with Him. Do you understand? Because how many of you have prayed in tongues and then just carried on with things? Like, you pray in tongues while you're driving or you pray in tongues while you... There's nothing wrong with that. It's all good. But you don't sense His presence as much as when you're praying in tongues and you're present. Isn't that right? So that the presence of God is not something that wasn't here and then suddenly showed up. But it's something that is here all the time until, but when you believe, it manifests. God does not send a special wave of His power. You are the wave of His power. The same Spirit that lives in you is upon you. Isn't that right? So Jesus opens this when He speaks in every synagogue and His disciples take note of it. He says, and he opens to the part in Isaiah where it says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. I want you to think very carefully about this. Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon him? Because he's already been anointed. Isn't that right? So the Spirit of the Lord comes upon those whom have been sealed by the Spirit of the Lord. So that means that if you are sealed by the Spirit of the Lord, then the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, but if you are not paying attention, you won't experience the presence of the Lord. guys all following me. So that means that God's presence isn't absent from you. You sometimes make yourself absent from it. And so in order to really understand this relationship that we're supposed to have with the Holy Spirit, to where the Spirit of God is not trapped within our spirit, but lives in our flesh and is allowed to live in and through us into the area around us, to where we can walk in the manifest presence of God, carrying what we would call the glory of God or being glory carriers, that idea, the concept, 
is basically where God becomes an active and present habitation in your life, not an occasional visitation because of a special speaker. And I'm not running Rob down. He's an amazing guy. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying anything like that. I'm saying that you can live in a place, and I think he would agree, and I think that's what he was telling us, is that we can live in a place where we are constantly and continuously filled with the Holy Ghost. And this word constantly and continuously means to have your flesh basically constantly experiencing the presence of God. It doesn't mean His absence from your spirit. In fact, I had somewhat of a problem when I, were, when I first came into understanding certain truths of, around the area of healing. There's a verse where Jesus says, Whoever is thirsty, I will give him something to drink, and he will never thirst again. How many of you have heard that verse? And when you read that, it says, Well, I will give him water to drink, and he will never thirst again. Well, then that means that I, um, I shouldn't ever thirst again. That's right. Jesus said, the water I give, and what was he talking about? The Holy Spirit. Am I right? So he shouldn't be thirsty again. So why are we always singing, I'm thirsty, Lord, I'm thirsty, Lord, I'm thirsty, Lord? Kind of sounded like a contradiction to me. Now, please understand, God knows your heart. I'm not here to tap you on the hand for being naughty or anything like that. It's not my job. What I'm trying to help you understand is that I, too, have had some misconceptions in the past, and those things can become blocks immediately. They can become blocks to the flow of the Spirit in your life. And the block I had was that I thought, well, since I'm not hungry and thirsty because I'm now righteous and filled, so what's, there's nothing more to, to that. Isn't that right? You've got it all. So has God given us His whole spirit or has He given us a part of His spirit? So I struggled with this until one day I went to a David Hogan conference. I don't know if you guys have ever met David Hogan before. David Hogan has seen about 400 people raised from the dead, give or take. The kind of people's conferences I like going to. This kind of person I am. I know if it was you, you would have gone somewhere else, but I like that. So, so here's the deal. I go there, and he's praying for people to receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit or an encounter with God or whatever. And I'm sitting there with this mindset, and I'm thinking to myself, well, is there, if there is something that I need to get or could get, maybe I should just go and get it. Isn't that right? But then aren't I like going against my convictions here? So I had a bit of a tug of war here with me and God were having a debate about this. Which is interesting because I thought that his word was the one that was teaching me not to do this. Isn't that right? So I, so I went and I, and I was like, he just said, go and get prayer. That's all he told me. I'm like, but just go. Now remember, Jesus did not need to get baptized for the remission of his sin. He had no sin. But yet he went and he was baptized in water by John the Baptist very publicly. Is that right? Now imagine if someone was if someone was baptizing people because they've repented of murder. 
and then God told you to go get that person to baptize you, and it was public, would you do it? Because what's the consequence? Everyone's going to think you're a murderer. Isn't that right? So when Jesus goes, he goes out of obedience. This is the reason why the Father says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Because he went and he was obedient regardless of what his mind was telling him. Amen. You guys just tell me if I'm going too fast. So watch this, okay? So I'm, I'm there at the conference. I go up for prayer. And he prays for me. And I don't know if I'm just... Yeah, I mean, I go down, I'm on the floor, and I'm talking to God. I'm still talking to God about this thing. Can you believe it? I'm on the floor. Talking, I'm still talking to him about this. So he says, okay, let me help you. Would you guys like to know what he told me? Okay, great. So he said, Mark, did I give you all of my spirit? I said, yes. He said, okay, did I give you all of the earth? Now, how many of you know that the Lord has given us the earth? The heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to the children of men. Isn't that right? All right. So, so He said to me, so how much of the earth do you know? How many of you have traveled a lot? Have you seen everything? How, how, how long do you think it would take to see everything? If you had to intimately know this planet, would it take you a while? Even though it belongs to you. Even though it's already yours. So that's what he said to me. He said, the earth is already yours, but you haven't seen all of it. And likewise, you haven't seen all of me. And I'm infinitely greater than the earth. And so then he began to explain to me that when a person experiences him in a particular way, they form something of a spiritual map. It's in their understanding. It can come through their conversation. It comes through their emotions. And you can, you can understand it. When you speak to certain people, you'll know that they have a, a relationship with God that in a particular area is really good. Am I right? And when that happens, okay, they've actually got a peace of the puzzle of who God is. Because they've experienced God in a particular way. And did you know that if that person shares with you the way they think about certain things and you're open to hear and filter it through the Word of God, you can actually come to an understanding where that impartation comes to you, either through them sharing or through them laying hands on you. But you know that even if you have a map, a map is supposed to take you somewhere. If you never go on the journey, it doesn't matter. And I find, I find that a lot of people want to run around looking for maps. They pick up maps. They never execute on the maps. They're like, this would be a great adventure. Let's just put this in the drawer and carry on with our lives because we're not good enough for that map. But I think there's a ton of people that are realizing that actually the reason why you can take this adventure is because Jesus has qualified you to take the adventure. You guys learning anything? Okay, great. So what I want to look at today is the fact that 
the Holy Spirit is a person. He's not just a force, not just a feeling. He's a person. In Romans chapter 8, verse 27, it says that he has a mind. You know, the Holy Spirit isn't like um, Star Trek or what the Star Wars. The force is with you. It's not some amoral force. He's a person. Yeah, he's the person, the Spirit of God. Amen? And he's called the Holy Spirit because, number one, he's what? Amoiman. You guys have got it, eh? So, so, if the Holy Spirit is holy and you possess him and he possesses you, what do you think will be the outcome of your life? Wow, amazing. Okay, so you got the answer to all the secrets of life? Am I right? Okay, so let's elaborate a little bit. So the Holy Spirit has a will, isn't it? 1 Corinthians 12, 11, He manifests gifts as He wills. But if you know His will, you can position yourself for His will. Because when is it God's will to heal someone? Always. So if you position yourself in the place where someone needs healing, then the Holy Spirit will manifest healing. But if you say, no, I can't operate in that gift because it's not my gifting, then you cut yourself off. And you say, no, Holy Spirit, I don't work with you there. Amen? But if you're open, then He will give you a gift that's needed for the occasion. But what we tend to do is we tend to lean more towards the ones that we used to, and we tend to stay away from the ones that are new, because we don't want to... It's like, you know, when you buy a new device. If you knew your old phone very well, then you get a new phone, you feel out of your depth. A lot of people don't like that feeling. But it doesn't mean that you should stop yourself from learning how to operate with the Holy Spirit in new ways. Amen? So he has emotions. It's amazing. God has feelings. A lot of people act like he doesn't. In Romans 15, verse 30, you can see very clearly that he has emotions. The Holy Spirit comforts in Acts 9, 31. He speaks clearly as in Hebrews 3, 7. He teaches, he can be grieved, he can be resisted, he can be lied to. That's not a good idea, as we found out this weekend. And he can be insulted. Am I right? Okay. Now, can anyone do all these things to you? Are you a person? Oh, then I guess he's a person too. Am I right? So, so what we make up as a person, someone who has some entity that has the ability to be intelligent, experience emotions, operates in um, the range of things that we just spoke about, and the Holy Spirit is clearly not just some force. Am I right? Now, when Jesus was in, on the earth, did his disciples hang around with him? Yeah? So if his disciples hung around with him, why do you think they hung around with him? To learn. Well, I don't know about you, but I thought mainly it was because Jesus was cool. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without stuff happening. He'd walk down the road and this guy would get healed. He'd walk down the road and that guy, the demon would come out of him. Isn't that right? So when you were Jesus' disciples, uh, it was like a fun thing all the time. There was always something exciting happening. Or the Pharisees were chasing you guys and you had to run. That's also fun, eh? So the reality is that the reason why people follow Jesus, his disciples, is because 
they wanted to learn from him correctly, but they also were excited to be with him. Now, guys, you know, when Jesus was in his own body, he was limited to his own body. But now he's in everybody because he has a body and we are his body. Isn't that right? So if we are his body, then you are the extension of his hands, his feet, his mouth, his mind, his heart, his soul. You are the extension of him and he's the head of this body. Now how does, I mean in a normal body, how do you communicate to all the parts of your body? You communicate through an, an electronic network that sends impulses to your nervous system. How do you think the, the Spirit of God works through us as Christ's body? We have to operate by God's nervous system, the Holy Spirit. I'm going to be preaching this message to some other people as well, just so that I can feel better about it. So 2 Corinthians 13, verse 14. This is an encouragement from Paul. He says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So there's three parts here. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Please put up your hand if you rely on the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, good. Some decent response. Hallelujah. Right. So, number two. What else is it that needs that should be that should be there? The love of God. Right. Now, how many of you know that God loved you so much that He was willing to literally sacrifice everything to rescue you? You got to understand the value that God put on you was far superior than the value he put on just about anything else in the universe. In fact, he was willing to sacrifice himself to get you back. Now, how valuable does it make you? When you determine the value of something by how much you're willing to pay for it. Do you not? If I said to you, buy this book for a billion dollars, any buyer? No. But if I said buy it for 400 bucks, maybe I'll get some buyers. Am I right? So the price of something is determined by what you are willing to pay for it. The price that was paid for you was unimaginably high. It was so high that in fact it was the price of God. Do you understand that? Can you comprehend that? God loved you so much that He was willing to bankrupt heaven to get you back. And no greater love is there than this than a man would lay down his life for his friend. But if someone laid down their life for their enemy, wouldn't that be even greater? And while we were yet still sinners... Christ came and died for us. While we hated Him, He came and saved us. You've got to understand what the love of God is. The love of God isn't a feeling. It can have feelings. Amen? You can feel it. 
But it's not a feeling. It's a reality. The love of God is a reality. If you have kids and, and uh, you tell your kids you love them and they say, well, I'm just not feeling it, does it mean you love them any less? You see, feelings don't matter as much as the truth. But if you rely on the truth, the feelings will follow. Most people, unfortunately, are believing lies so clearly that they've manifested lies as feelings, and now they have a negative emotional feedback loop that encourages them to continue in error. Get the tape for that one. So the word fellowship comes from the word koinonia, and um, it's um, an important part of this verse because I want to zoom in on this, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Because the fellowship of the Holy Spirit is what we're trying to cultivate in our lives, is it not? This habitation, this coexistence, this access to Him at all times. Now the truth is, He is more excited about this than you are. As excited as you are, He is more excited, I promise. Do you understand? He is more excited than you are about this. Even though you are excited, He is more excited. Way more. He was willing to pay a very high price to hang out with you. And you need to come to terms with this so that you can stop getting in your way. Because what happens is you disqualify yourself from His presence because of the mistakes you've made when He's already dealt with that blockage before. Your mistakes cannot separate Him from you, but your guilt can separate you from Him. That means repent quickly, turn around and get back in there. Why linger? Well, let me just hang out here in this negative sin zone because it's so much fun. Come on, no one, we all know it's not. People who make a practice of sinning, it doesn't turn out well for them, does it? Eh? I once I came to a church uh, up in Joburg and I said, so, because there was a mixed crowd, unbelievers as well, I said, so all of you who, you know, keep sinning and sinning and sinning, tell me, how's it going? It's going well. <laughs> I'm like, the Bible doesn't say for no reason that uh, the life of the wicked is hard. Only the wicked run when no one chases them, that's why I don't jog. So, so here's the reality, which you've got to understand, is that the Holy Spirit wants fellowship with you. And this word, Pannonia, has actually got three primary meanings. It's to fellowship, to partner, and to be intimate. What the word fellowship there means, the Pannonia. And I might be mispronouncing that. You can go check on the Bible app how to say that properly. <laughs> okay, I'm talking about the word Pannonia, but I'm pretty sure it's, it's pronounced that way. So let's have a look at Fellowship, right? What does fellowship mean? Well, guys, have you fellowshiped? So when you fellowship, you come, you make a time, you come to a place, or you're in a place and you hang out. Am I right? Okay? So, so here's the deal. When you're in an elevator and someone steps in there that you don't know, do you fellowship? No, you generally don't fellowship. Am I right? Why? Because you don't know the person. You don't know what they're going to get up to. Am I right? And um, you kind of keep to yourself. It's kind of 
the way of our Western world. Yeah? So you don't canonia with them. But are they with you? So someone being with you and you being with them in fellowship is a very different thing. So just because you're forced to be in the same place doesn't mean you have fellowship. Fellowship is something way more. It means this, that the Holy Spirit is always with us and that He's not a stranger. It means just like that person who gets into the elevator, this isn't just some random stranger. This is Jesus, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And I think for a very long time, the Holy Spirit's been welcoming people at the door, trying to hang out with you, but you've been too busy. Now, let me just watch this one last YouTube video. I'll get back to you now. But maybe if we make an effort, like, you know, waking up in the morning and saying, let that anointing that's in me be upon me, maybe take it a bit further, I don't know, you know. Uh, I know Benny Hinn used to do this whole thing of making uh, the Holy Spirit a cup of coffee and hanging out with him. Worked out pretty well for him. What do you reckon? All you've got to do is find something that you can share with the Holy Spirit, right? Sometime, maybe there's a Bible verse you're reading. Say, Holy Spirit, teach me. I can tell you guys what I did. I used to uh, write uh, in a notepad. You know on the computer you have a notepad? So I'd have a question. I'd write the question down. And then I'd ask the Holy Spirit this question. And then he'd give me the answer. And I'd write the answer down. And I'd be like, okay, that's pretty smart. Let me try again. And I'd ask another question. I had chat GPT before it was even invented. It's called Holy, G- Holy Spirit GPT. And what used to happen is I'd say, okay, well, I've got all these answers to my questions. Let me just go see if it's actually biblical. Right, because you, you don't need some other voices talking to you. And then praise God, I would find like, you know, scripture to back it up. So always filter any of your spiritual experiences through the word. Why? Because this is your safe haven. You don't want to go into cuckoo stuff. The devil can deceive you just as easily. Amen? Okay, but it doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's out to deceive you. So if you're hanging out with him, you're going to be okay. Amen? All right, let me just see quickly. How many of you have received the Holy Spirit? Okay, good. So I'm in the right room. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit, okay, is waiting for you tomorrow morning where you have your breakfast, when you wake up. He's there. He's not, if you don't feel Him, it's got nothing to do with Him being there or not there. Are you with me? Your feelings have got nothing to do with the reality of where He is. The Bible says He fills the earth. Isn't that right? What did David write? David said, I can go to the lowest pit and go to the highest mountain. I can even be in hell, but I can't escape your presence. And it was David. We're talking here about born-again believers who have the Spirit of God living in them. Wherever they go, He goes with them. Remember they used to take the ark ahead of battle? You are the ark that goes ahead of battle. Did you know that? You are a living temple being built up into the house of the Lord. Each one of you stones in His temple. Isn't that right? Oh, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. 
So the second part of this canonia thing is partnership. So you fellowship, which means you're present, present. Am I right? If you hang out with your friends and they're talking to you and you're thinking about everything else, they're going to say, why are you here? Because you're not here. You're here, but you're not there. Yeah? So fellowship is about being present, present. <coughs> the problem I see is that many people have the Holy Spirit, but they ignore Him like a stranger. They go about their day, and it's as if it's not there. But it's not going to be like that with you guys. Am I right? Amen? Okay. So, Luke 5, 1 to 7. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Heading into the one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. That's because Jesus knew how acoustics work. No other reason. The voice will travel over the water. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and we took nothing. But at your word, we will let down the nets. Did you notice that this didn't make sense to the fishermen? Does? Did you notice that it didn't make sense? If you're a professional, it wouldn't make sense. There's like a massive secret in this. You know that. A, if you can get this, there's a ma massive secret. When God asks you something, often it'll feel like something that you've already done. Are you hearing me? But God, God, I've gone out and I've, and I've tried to find a job and no, no one's saying yes. And he's saying, go today. Are, are you with me? Don't underestimate when the Holy Spirit's giving you an instruction. Just because you've done it before doesn't mean it's the same as it was before. One moment is not equal to another moment. Every moment is unique in itself. And when Jesus says, throw the nets, what do they do? They say, look, we are fishermen. We've done this all night. There's nothing there. But because you said so, we'll do it. Isn't that right? Say watch. And then they had done this. They enclosed a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. So their obedience to what seemed like silliness ended up being very prosperous. Amen? Okay, watch. And they signaled to their partners. And this is the word I want to kind of piggyback on for partners. And they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. Quite a lot of fish, huh? So I want you to understand something. They signaled. They didn't need to do much other than signal. Have you ever had a relationship with someone where you can just give them a look and they already know what you're saying? Anyone? Oh, there's somebody. Right, so, so you, you, there are people you know. Do, do you consider those people partners? Amazing, hey? Because part of the canonia is to be a partner. That means that you can, you can pick up on what the Holy Spirit wants to do because you know Him.
In fact, it can get so bad that you don't know when you're picking up on what he wants or when you're acting out of what you think you want because what you want is what he wants because you're so united in your partnership that you understand that what he wants is always good. So this partnership is part of the kanonia, right? It's part of the fellowship that you need to develop with the Holy Spirit. You need to hang out with him and do stuff with him. Okay. Notice, um, if you married someone and you never took them anywhere with you, they would feel like you didn't really want to marry them. Isn't that right? <laughs> Come on, guys. Help me out here. Hallelujah. If you married somebody and you kept them at home and you never brought them out, wouldn't people think that you're single? That you don't have a partner? So how do people know that you are in partnership with the Holy Spirit? Because they know that He's with you. Stuff happens. Weird stuff happens. But stuff happens. Amen? You know, let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit. He has this way of infecting us with joy. Which means that we don't, we don't end up in this sad, negative realm. Am I right? We don't buy into all the things that are happening in the world. We buy into what heaven has promised for the world. That's why we have this hope. Isn't that right? Because we hang out with the Holy Spirit. Listen, when they chose the first, um, what were they called, uh, deacon, right? You can go read it in Acts. It says, and they chose among them people who were filled with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that right? How did they know? Maybe there was something different about them. I mean, did they all walk around with little files on their head? Oh, there's one. <laughs> He's really the light of the world. Mr. Candle. No, that's not what happened. Am I right? They could see that something had changed in a person. That they were under the influence of something different. How many of you guys, once you've gone on the floor and you've had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you like yourself a lot more? I'm the only one, eh? <laughs> the reason why that happens is because when you're in touch with the Holy Spirit, you're in touch with who you really meant to be. Because God is the nature that you carry. Do you understand? You carry God as your nature. Which means whenever you hang out with God and you act more like God, you will be more fulfilled because God wants you to be like Him. This is not my idea. This is His plan. To redeem a people and bring them into fellowship. That means you partner, you hang out. I mean, if God was disgusted with you, why would He go to such great lengths? So I want you to say this this morning. I can never be disqualified. Jesus qualified me. Amen? 
then I'll be wrapping up with this last part. Hopefully you guys are all okay out there. You can only develop a partnership if you actively partner. So if you don't learn how to dance with the Holy Spirit, you'll never know how to dance with Him. Have you guys, I don't know, maybe you've seen this in your own life, that the people that you work with, you end up building relationships with a, a lot deeper than with people you don't work with. Church, maybe we should just all work together a little bit more and we'll get to know one another a bit more and we'll kind of like one another a little bit more. I don't know. What do you reckon? Because it's when people sit around doing nothing that they end up wondering, why am I doing nothing and they're doing this? And then they start asking questions and they get upset. Isn't that right? It's like that story of the fisherman. Did you guys ever hear the story of the fisherman? You've never heard the story of the fisherman? So there's a story of a fisherman. Not that one. So this, this, maybe it is. Maybe not. So the story of the fisherman goes like this. Uh, so I think it's three or five guys. They go, and they go out um, on a weekend to go do fishing. And the first day that they're there, don't worry, I'll get that just now. The first day that they're there, um, it rains. So they get out the cards. They play some rummy or whatever it is that people play with cards. And um, they say, no, we'll, we'll fish tomorrow. And then the next day, it rains again. So they get out another game. And anyway, by the third day, they're upset with one another. They're fighting with one another. They're angry with one another. And they pack up and they go home and they never caught any fish. Because what was their purpose? To go fishing. What did they do? Anything but fishing. It's the same thing as the last thing Jesus told us was to go and make disciples. We do everything else but make disciples. We're missing it. I mean, I can tell you now, I've seen the supernatural operate. And I don't care if I've raised a thousand people from the dead. If I haven't made one disciple, I failed. If you're not investing in one person to walk out the life of Jesus, you have not learned how to replicate. You need to learn how to make disciples. And if that means you need to be disciples, you need to talk to some people so that you can get disciples. Don't say, oh, I never had... Just find someone. Speak to a leader. Make, make your intentions clear. Get disciples. Because you know why most people don't do it? You know why? It's expensive financially. It's expensive in your time. And it's expensive emotionally. Because often when you're discipling someone, they're going to end up failing you somewhere. And they're going to put you in a predicament, and you're going to think, why did I ever try and help this person? Forgetting that God had to say that about you probably a thousand times. Isn't that true? I'm just shooting straight this morning, okay? I love you guys. Okay, so, the last part of this is intimacy. Amen? And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. But I just want to put this out to you. <laughs> In James 4, verse 5 to 8, it says, Do you suppose it's for no purpose that the Scripture says, He yearns jealously over the Spirit that He has made to dwell in you? But He gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, and He gives grace 
to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Do you notice all those things that we quote so loosely are all together there? Do you notice that? In the context of what? That God yearns over the spirit that he has placed in you. Isn't that right? He's after what he put in you, the treasure that is in you. He wants it to come out. Isn't that right? This treasure that he has put in us, in these earthen vessels, gets, we get to manifest Jesus wherever we go. So, Intimacy is about understanding that God wants to hold you close, that God is constantly thinking good about you, that God has got no negative thoughts about you. You know the thing you did where you lost your temper or you messed up? God doesn't even know about it. Like, What does it say in the New Testament? It says, I will remember their sins no more. Is God a liar? So then how come everyone thinks that he remembers? Even when you pray, like, God, you know when I did this, he's like, what are you talking about? But God, I did this. He's like, what are you talking about? There's no idea what you're talking about. And I will remember their sins and their iniquities no more. No more. Does it mean occasionally, sometimes, when you're feeling really bad about it? Or is that actually... The problem with your soul. And you need the Holy Spirit to comfort you and to remind you of who you actually are. You see, you know why 1 John says if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us? You know why? Because we need to confess it so we can feel better. You think God doesn't know? He's God. He knows everything. He's the only being that can actually forget. So if these three, these three things is what the Holy Spirit wants with you so that you can be in fellowship with Him, right? To partner with you, to be close and intimate with you, and to fellowship with you, to be present with you, then who wants this more? Who wants this more? He wants this more than you. So you know what you do when you try and make out like it's hard? to get into God's presence. What you're doing is you're saying, God, you're making it tough. And God's saying, no, I've done everything to get to you. The only reason it's tough is because you're in the way. That's why it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Because fellowship with the Holy Ghost is in submission to the Holy Ghost. You cannot have fellowship with the Spirit of God if you are in rebellion with God. And a mind that is focused on the flesh is hostile to God. It cannot know His ways. But a mind that is focused on the Spirit is what? Life and peace. I hope you've learned something. 